Alright, praise God. I said the prayer of today is going to change you more than it will change the situation around you. Many times we pray to change situations around us. And that's very important. We pray because there is a need that needs to be met. But the prayer of today is going to be like heart soul search. Where you look inward and you evaluate yourself by yourself. You know, the Bible says to judge yourself so you will not be judged. In the world we live in today, there's so much distraction, so much calling your attention, and you can lose focus, and you will not know. When I put up what I put up in my status today, um, don't take a break from spirituality. In he chatted me up and said, Before I start drinking Gulda. <laughs> and I said it's true. You take a break from spirituality. And you thought you wanted to take two weeks break. And then in two years you haven't recovered. You just take ordinary one week off reading your Bible. And you must have realized this. Suddenly you realize that the scriptures you used to know by heart, you can't remember them again. It, it seems like they left you. Scriptures that when you when people quote, you remember the reference. You remember where it is. You just realize that you can't remember again. Things you were born in for, you realize that they don't even call your attention again. And I said something when he said that stuff. I said it's very subtle. It's very subtle. You just missed a day of prayer. And over the next six months, you don't know what you have become. Because after meeting that day, then you missed the following day. Then you missed the third day. Then your prayer time got occupied by some other activity, however legitimate. But by the time you, you know, the Bible says that the prodigal son came to himself. By the time you come to yourself, you realize that you are far away from where you left off. The title of my exhortation is Casting the Vision. Casting the Vision. And I believe I'm going to do Casting the Vision again in December after our retreat. We'll have a retreat in December. And after the retreat, we'll do casting the vision again. 
Thank you, Lord. So, Father, receive insights, receive instruction from this teaching in Jesus' name. One of the first questions I want to ask you is, why did you come to Grace Up? Did you come to make friends? Did you come to learn the word? Did you come to build the culture of prayer? Now, of course, sometimes when you come to a new environment, a new church or something, you don't know what to expect. You have an idea of what you want to see, but you don't know what they have to offer. But then when you see what they have to offer, then you decide whether you want to stay or not. So when I say, why did you come to Brace Up? I'm asking, why did you choose to stay? There are places you visited. You went. You saw what they were doing. They gave you food. But interestingly, that couldn't keep you. Did you see that? That couldn't keep you. They were friendly. They had greeters. They would greet you. But that couldn't keep you. What kept you in Brace Up? rhetorical questions for everybody now what kept you might not be what kept him but sometimes we get distracted from what kept us for example you choose to go to a particular university because probably because of their quality of education but by the time you get into university, you begin to see different things. You could get distracted from why you chose the institution over other ones. Do you see that now? So you must remind yourself and say, why did I choose to stay? And am I still burning for what I chose to stay for? Or is it that what I chose to stay for has left the place? If it has left the place, then you don't have any business in the place. I think that's clear enough. So why are you, why did you choose Brace Up? And let me tell you something. <laughs> let me say, you like the prayer culture in Brace Up. Hope you know that the prayer culture was a culture you saw people exhibiting in Brace Up. It wasn't like you just came around the place and the spirits were just ministering prayer to you. There was a way that the people in Bristol prayed that you liked. Do you understand what I'm saying? What that means is that you can improve that culture. It's like when you keep adding wood to fire, each member has something to supply in strengthening that culture. So let me say you came because of the accurate knowledge of God's word. You have a responsibility in upholding it. You're a steward of that truth. Do you understand? So what was your reason for staying in Bristol? Now many times, listen very well. 
Your reason for staying in Bristol many times was the reason why you invited someone else to come and join you. You're like, look, that place, they have so so and so. That's why you stayed. That's why you feel like this person would come and stay. And that's why you invited the person. So what happened to you? Why are you no more inviting more people? Is it that you have lost interest in why you came? Or what you came for no longer exists in this place? Is it clear? Is it clear? Or maybe you have forgotten for a moment why you came. Do you get it? Maybe you have forgotten, you have been distracted. Now, being distracted is not, is not, is normal. I wouldn't say it's not bad, but it's normal. I, I, I think I said it here before. I heard a pilot say that when a plane is flying from point A to point B, 99% of the time of flight, the plane flies off course. So if it's meant to move on this straight line from here to there, 99% of the time is either here or here, but not on the line. So being off course is normal. But like I said, casting the vision, where is the destination? Where is the path you are meant to chart? Where is the path you are meant to follow? You then adjust back, you adjust to the path you are meant to follow. So if you have moved off course, get back. Do you understand? If you have moved off course, get back. If you have stopped paying attention to the reason why you are staying in Bristol, get back to paying attention to it. Do you understand? Imagine if you came because of the prayer culture. But now you come so late to meetings. You come in the middle of the world when they finished prayer. Imagine you came because of the accurate knowledge of God's word. But you don't even write notes. Or you have a poorly written note. Your values are discernible. Jensen, your values are discernible. If you value prayer, you would see it in your attitude. When you see a guy that likes football and likes to play football, you see it in, although he's a broke guy and he can't, he has not been able to gather money for jam form, but you see that he has boots, he has socks, he even has shin guard. Jensen, he has everything. He's even in a club, a football club. Do you understand? He goes out to jog. Value is discernible. If you value the accurate knowledge of God's word, the question would be how many of our messages have you listened to? How are you intending to grow? What was your plan? 
the scripture we read on Wednesday, Paul told Timothy, meditate on these things. Meditate on these things. The instruction in Joshua Nate is that you meditate day and night. That's consistency. That's commitment. Do you see it? So, this is the time, I told you, this is personal evaluation. What did you used to do that you have stopped doing? Maybe before, whenever we give instructions here, you write it down and you take note of it. If we say, read the book of Galatians three times, you write it down. You even start planning. I'll read it this night. I'll read tomorrow morning. I'll read tomorrow night. But now you don't even care about it again. You're like, they'll still announce it in the leads group. So I don't need to write it down. Compromise. You have moved away from the path that you were following. Do you see that now? Maybe before now, there was someone you're always calling. Hello, how far? Don't forget, the meeting is on Friday. Meeting is on Sunday. So, so time. How far? Now you have stopped. Not because the person is now a consistent member. Do you see that? If it would take reminding someone for 365 days, before the person will finally decide to come. Before you were committed to doing it. Every day you call the person, the person will give excuse. But you kept calling and kept trying to bring the person for meeting or to evangelize to the person. Why did you stop? Some of you started by praying out for people. You wanted this person to be saved and you've been praying and praying and thinking about how to talk to the person. You led your life in a way that will make you pleasing to the person you wanted to evangelize to. Now you haven't evangelized to the person, but now you don't care again. You see that your values have changed. Your values have changed. So get back to where you used to be. Jensen. Get back to where you used to be. Maybe you had a prayer culture, you had a prayer time, you had a prayer, you know, time, you had an alarm for prayer. Now it's just the alarm that tells you to change to the other side of the bed. You just wake up, put it off, and turn to the other side of the bed. The values have changed. One day I said it here and I thought about it very deeply. I said, there are ministers we know of that started off with the pure gospel. They held Holy Ghost meetings. They did tongues and interpretation. They held the truth about the gospel. Do you understand? They went out to evangelize. They said like us, we die here. This gospel we will stay here. But today, they are doing something different. How sure are you that in the next five years, 
in the next 10 years, in the next 20 years, you'll still be upholding the truth you're upholding today. Do you understand? If your values don't change, you'll still keep upholding them. If when you move off course, you come back, if you learn to cast the vision and say, this is where I'm going to, this is how I'm going to get there. So you must always remind yourself, you must always set a standard and say, this is what I will do and this is what I will not do. Prayer would be a commitment in my life. Jonathan, let it not see, let a time not come when two hours prayer for revelation knowledge and the spread of the gospel will become strange to you. I don't know if you think about the statements of Paul, but I think about it as a pastor. He said, I'm always mentioning you in my prayers. Do you know the amount of things Paul had to pray for? Paul was highly persecuted. He had to pray for himself to be delivered from wicked and unreasonable men. He was also praying for the churches he started and churches like Galatia that have moved off course. Sometimes he was hungry and he had physical needs that needed to be met. He also had the gospel that he wanted to spread in regions where it hadn't spread. But he would always remember some other people. The truth is, is it that the gospel is a priority to you or is not? Many of us have the gospel as a priority in our lives for now. It looks like we are serious with God. It's just because we don't have plenty of money to distract us. I heard Pastor Chris Delvan gave an illustration some years ago. He spoke about how when you were, you didn't have money. You say, I'll just check to where I'm going to. I'll pray as I'm going. And so you just walk down to the place. Maybe it'll take you 15-20 minutes and you pray while you're walking. You know, Jeff Hagen spoke about it when he set up in ministry. How that he had to walk long distances to go and minister. You know, to where his church was. And he was just praying in between. I think he said in a year, one year, he had to change his shoe like four times because they were worn out. Because you keep walking and just praying in tongues. What happens when you have a jeep and a, an official driver? You just sit down in the AC and forget to pray. But you know that God is not unwilling and unhappy with you being rich. He has no problem with you having all of the nice things of life. But your values must not change. Do you understand? When you don't have to have faith to change your phone. You don't have to have faith to subscribe. You don't have to have faith to change your car. You don't have to have faith to pay your rent. What will be your faith project? 
Or would you have stopped exercising your faith? Exercising yourself in faith? Let me say two other things. Number one. There are things that will come in our lives to distract us. There are necessary distractions in our lives that will come in life. Necessary distractions. Things that you must allow to distract you. But you also curb their limits, the extent rather, of their distraction. Number one, if you have a wife, you can't say you want to pray in tongues throughout the day and you want to do it for seven days. No. You chose to marry. So you must give your wife necessary attention. Do you understand what I'm saying? But if all the attention goes to your wife and your prayer life drops, your meditation on the word drops. You're going out to reach out to people and evangelize drops. Junior, moving off course. When you begin to have children, it's a necessary distraction. You have to have their time. It's wrong to just pray throughout the day, study the Bible, throughout the day, evangelize throughout the day, and not have time for your kids. But you must set a limit to the distraction. You must ensure that you continue to burn. Do you even have a plan for it? This is what happens when people move to, as it were, you know, as we put it according in our day, to another level. Someone gets into school, for example. Someone gets a job. You must realize that there is what is necessary distraction. Let me tell you what how to handle necessary distraction. It will you must realize that it will stress you. You would have to go beyond yourself. You would have to pray when you are tired. You would have to sacrifice. You might have to miss some functions like naming, you know, wedding. You might have to miss some of those things just to be able to catch up for the time you, you didn't have with spending time maybe with your children or the time you didn't have in meditating the word or listening to the word or praying. So an important word will be, or an important phrase will be time management. You have to learn to manage your time very well. You have a job. We are also a BRISOP member or a leader in BRISOP. You have to be able to manage everything well. Such that your job is not suffering and your commitment to God through BRISOP is not suffering. Do you understand? Your commitment to God is through the local church. Do you understand? So you have, if you don't plan for it, one of them is going to suffer. It doesn't happen automatically. You don't balance automatically. Nothing balances automatically. 
like I said, 99% of the time, the plane is off course. It doesn't just balance, it doesn't just stay on course naturally. You bring it back. That means you know where it's meant to be. There's a predetermined path for it. And that's important. Okay, so what is the predetermined path for your spiritual life, for your work life, your business life, your career life? What's the predetermined path? How do you intend to achieve it? So that balance is important. That's number one. That there are necessary distractions and you must learn to manage your time well such that none suffers. Make necessary sacrifices. Also, have a predetermined path you want to follow. Do you, is your predetermined path that you cut your prayer time from 2 hours to 30 minutes or 15 minutes? Or do you plan to stretch yourself more? Lose one hour of sleep just to stretch yourself in prayer. That's important. The second thing is that sometimes we don't realize that bad things would happen. We don't foresee them at all. We don't foresee evil. And so when it happens, we don't know how to manage it. That's why you see someone that was fervent. Maybe her boyfriend just left her. And that's how her passion for God just drops. Or she got a carryover. And that's how her passion for God drops. How do we manage situations when evil things happen? When we don't get what we're expecting? Jesus said about... Now look at, look at the story of John. John looked like he was a very... John the Baptist, he looked like he was a very strong guy. I mean, he talked to the Pharisees in a tone that nobody did. Jesus was just preaching his own message. John spoke directly at them. The soldiers came and said, what can we do to have a time? He, he was very confident. He didn't look like he was scared of anything. He lived a weird life, but he didn't care. It looked like John was passionate about the things of God. Until the thing hit him below the belt. The same guy that said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The same guy that said, who's... Sander, whose latchet I have not worn it on time. When he was in prison, he said, Go and ask Jesus if he's the Messiah, we should expect another one. He wasn't able to manage that situation. Getting into prison was not, he could, people talk about how if John wasn't saying what he, should, he, he, he was saying, he wouldn't have entered prison. 
Sean had been a bad talker for the longest time. He probably just changed his message, but he was always a bad talker. He talked in a way that could get him into trouble. But when he finally entered trouble, he didn't know how to handle it. Jesus said, blessed are those. Talking about um, what happened to John, after the disciples of John um, came to him, he said, blessed are those who are not offended in him. Many times, people are offended with God because what they felt, oh Jesus, what they felt, someone asked me a question one day and I said, I don't know. I don't know the answer. Someone very dear to him passed on. And he said, look, I prayed. He said, I've never prayed this way in my life. And I knew he was saying the truth. See, that guy did everything I know that he should have done. Johnson, he did everything I know that he should have done. Maybe I'm wrong, go. But everything I think he should have done, I think he did. But the person passed on and said, he said, see, he said, look. And he spoke to me in a very personal way. He said, what happened? I don't know. He could have decided to say, look, bye-bye to Jesus. He's not doing it again. But he chose not to. You have to learn how to handle hurts, offenses. You have to learn how to handle them. Praise God. So, what path were you planning, were you following before? And are you still following that path? Your zeal, the passion you had for God, that we could see in Brace of where is it? So when we pray today, it is soul search. You're searching your heart to see, look, where did I move off course and didn't realize? What was the vision? What was the plan? I was thinking that by so-so time, this and this and this would be the, the place I would be. The vision of Bracehop is that we see all men becoming deliberate about the accurate knowledge of God's word. Now you don't even care. You can even attend a church where they don't teach about Jesus at all. Jensen, they'll just say this is Muhammad's Sunday. We want to just, you know, find out some lessons you could learn from the life of Muhammad. And you'll be around. You take notes, self. You won't post it on Facebook. Deliberate about the accurate knowledge of God's word. You see all men becoming deliberate about the accurate knowledge of God's word. Fervent in prayer. Is your fervent prayer life only in Bracewell? You thought that you start gathering your friends and praying with them. Do you understand? You thought you would teach your friends fervency of prayer. Wherever your own personal prayer life is going down. Passionate in evangelism. Now you don't realize that the lost are lost. Before, when you saw a Christian that is unserious, your heart is burning. 
Now you are very comfortable about around unbelievers. So just begin to pray.